ready to dive into today's topic with an open mind and um, examination of a lot of different viewpoints that I've come across about um, something that I think we've all been interacting with for the past like few weeks, maybe even like over a month. I don't know. Time on social media feels very unreal to me. And so I don't even know when this really started. Um, but today we're talking about girl theory. And when I say girl theory, I mean the discourse that's online about girlhood and this phenomenon of girl dinner and I'm just a girl and girl math and I feel like you get the gist of like what we're talking about today. I want to look at this from a few different viewpoints, taking into consideration just like different perspectives that I've heard from some of you that sent your own thoughts in um, and also just like other conversations that I've been witness to in the online realm. I feel like so many people are talking about this or have been talking about this. And honestly, most of it I think has been quite critical, which I wanna dive into as to like why I think it's being so, it's such like a polarizing topic, which I mean, anything that is related to online discourse or connected to um like how we exist online and how we have conversations online I think will be polarizing because it's an inherently binary perpetuating system of communication like there's no way to make room for all of the nuance that exists in every issue that you're going to be talking about but basically I was just making that point to say that the discourse that is going around criticizing and also praising this girl theory that's going on Um, I think is just a really clear example of how communication happens online and how we come to understand ourselves in relationship to these trends and these theories that go around that are super big for like a month and then they just like drop off the face of the earth. Okay, so to kind of frame my going into this topic, I want to reference Cy Swoon, Gabby who's like one of my favorite accounts on Instagram. I will eat up anything she dishes out. I just think she's like so brilliant and so cool and I love the way that she speaks and shares her ideas. And she actually prompted this episode for me um, with her. She like was posting on her story and then made it into a post about this girl theory phenomenon and um, basically reading it as this performance of gender that has like so many layers of coding in it um, to read out like a couple things that she explored in this analysis or this discussion. Um, She basically has this like massive list of the girl meme archetype as, um, and so some of them are confessing desire for submission, not wanting to part with youth, craving innocence and purity, Um, no clear cultural boundaries or rituals between girl and woman or youth and adulthood and society. Also, sharing the internet with young adults and um, like literal teenagers and constantly consuming their content and their memes and being so wrapped up in that as fully grown adults. I mean, I know we're not all the same age in this community. I'm sure there are like some teenagers listening. I'm sure there's some adults Um, or young adults and then there's some older adults who knows we're like a whole mix of people but basically what Gabby is trying to say here is that like the way that we engage with online discourse 
is totally new from any other generation's experience of establishing identity and community through this online space because we're sharing it with people that are so much younger than us and we have access to their ideas and their knowledge and their perspectives in a way that we haven't ever before Um, and it's in this weird way where like you kind of forget that a lot of the content you're consuming is probably being made by like a 17 or 18 year old and that totally has an impact on how we think and like how we relate to this stuff and how we um, feel about ourselves in relationship to this content that we're consuming. And I think that it's so weird to think about like all of the all of the intergenerational connecting that's going on, but in a way that often doesn't actually foster connection beyond a trend or beyond like a specific conversation that's circulating um and I think that what this does is it kind of collapses the idea of age and of development and sort of puts us all in this one singular kind of confined box that is inherently I think categorical meaning it puts us in a category or we put ourselves in this category in order to relate to and to connect with this discourse that's going on and create an identity or attach our worth or our sense of self to a particular phenomenon that's being shared online. And we see this all the time, like this is really the heart of social media is identity curation and constantly trying to perfect this ideal image of ourselves through the reposting of memes and what photos we share and what our captions are and um, what things that we choose to engage with on social media. Something which has definitely been talked about before, but something that I haven't ever really spoken to is this um, rise in cores and aesthetics, which I think has like really come to fruition especially through covid and how much people were online perpetually and how isolated we were and how in search of community and of meaning i think so many of us were and combining that search for meaning and for identity and connection with the insane (laughs) algorithm of apps like tiktok i feel like tiktok was central to this like shift in creating all of these niches and all of these specific identities that we can attach ourselves to and make meaning out of. I think that the rise of TikTok and how we engage with that specific medium as humans searching for connection and community and meaning in such an isolating and terrifying time I think that in itself is such an interesting thing to examine the like cyborgian element of how we use these apps to express our identity and also make these versions of ourselves through the algorithm and like I just think it's so wild to me that our consciousness is reflected in a way in our algorithms and how specific they are to the inner goings on of our brains. I just like will never not be freaked out by that. And it is just like such a crazy thing to me. Like even though this is normal and this has been normal for a really long time now, the way that our brains are so intimately connected to these forms of technology 
is such a testament to how we seek out connection as humans and how technology develops to provide us with an empty imitation of that connection because while social media does connect us in so many ways and I think it's a really powerful place for people to create community and I've had a really a lot of really positive experiences in just like meeting people through Instagram and obviously the lily pod is like only made possible through um this online platform and I'm so grateful for all the ways that social media has created community and created connection between people but I also think that it's so easy to get wrapped up in the world of online and like this idea that it is real community when there's no physical reality to it and not saying that there needs to be a physicality to community in order for it to be real and for it to be valuable because I don't think that's true but I think that what we need and what we truly crave and desire as humans at our core is community that transcends anything beyond what technology has to offer to us. We need relationships with our neighbors. We need relationships with the people that live down the street from us. We need connection in a more accessible, less abstract way that I think social media has like convinced us that this kind of connection community is possible and is tangible through apps like TikTok and Instagram and whatever else. But I do think that there are many limitations to having these kinds of communities and not being able to actually intimately connect with these other people and with these ideas that we share with one another and this meaning that we're making through online discourses and through girl theories and and all of that. Not being able to access this meaning and this feeling of connection outside of your phone is just a testament to how we're developing as humans in relationship with technology. And I think it's scary to think about the idea of us having so many communities online but no communities in person that we can have tangible access to and that we can go to if we need support without having to use this little box that seems to control so many of our lives now. I just think that so much of our searching for identity and our searching for connection through apps like TikTok speaks to our innate need for community and for connection and for support in real life and social media is real life because we are engaging with it and we're leaving real lives and like is any of this really real like we could totally go into that but basically I just think that having community outside of the online world is so 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 necessary for us to feel meaning in our lives and for us to express our fullest capacity as humans just like living in this crazy world and needing people and support and love and care around us. Community care is just so central to human happiness and I think having the illusion of it through online spaces and especially with like how personal it is because these algorithms know us, they know what we need, they know what we crave, they know what we find attractive having the illusion of access to these feelings of meaning without having any like true tie 
to these other people that are like on the other end of the screen um, who we might be talking to or we might be connecting with through a particular meme or a conversation or whatever it is. I think that it's just like such an easily collapsible structure that I think it has value, but I don't think that it's sustainable enough for us to truly rely on and find solace in in the long term. And as I'm saying this, I'm also arguing with myself in my own head of like, oh, but like online community is so much more accessible. Like you can connect with people from all over the world, from all over your country, wherever you're from. And you can connect with people that you wouldn't have otherwise, which I think is one of the benefits. But there are just, there are too many cons to it that I think sometimes outweigh the meaning that comes from online community that I know totally exists and like I feel it and I'm wrapped up in it also um but I just worry about the sustainability of using apps and the discourse that goes on within these apps to make meaning out of our own identities and to connect with people when it could just disappear one day and we lose everything that was curated and was made and was um, established under this technology, which I mean is kind of poetic when you think about it. I don't know, maybe that's just a reflection of the temporality of everything and the meaning that we make in our lives. It's so temporary and so small in the grand scheme of things. So I don't know, it's just one big metaphor for life and humanity. Anyway, I feel like I've gotten a little bit off track where I wanted to go with this conversation. So, girl theory. I wanted to frame this discussion within that whole ramble that I just did on technology and community because I do think that at the heart of it, girl theory is just a representation of the discourse that goes on in these apps that is another way for people to find meaning and find identity and find connection with other people namely other women, I feel like it's mostly young adult women that are engaging with this discourse. And a lot of people have said that they love girl theory and they love girl dinner and they love I'm just a girl um, and that they think it's just like fun and silly and something that like they should just be allowed to have fun and silly times with, which I, you know, I totally get like I think that an interesting dimension to the way that this theory is being talked about right now is that whatever women do, whatever girls do, it's going to be under heightened scrutiny and it's going to create controversy and it's going to like make a whole fucking mess no matter what happens. And I think my theory, one of my theories with this is this idea that like, women can just like not have fun (laughs) like under patriarchy men can play their whole lives they are seen as you know oh like oh men like oh boys and their toys like I see this like with fucking like 60 year old men and like how they just get to be goofy and they get to indulge in their hobbies and hang with the boys and They don't have to be taken seriously because they're just men, but women have to grow up as soon as fucking possible. And I don't think that there's many spaces in this world where 
the playfulness of femininity is welcomed or celebrated or even encouraged. We are taught to grow up so fast under patriarchy for, I mean, many reasons, you know, training us to be nurturing caregivers and mothers to be and and all of that. And also just that like we need to become super aware of our own existence in the world for simply safety reasons. We become so aware of our bodies at such a young age that it breaks our innocence so fast and it's confusing and complicated to try and access that innocence when you're still only 14 like you're literally a kid but you need to be monitoring your body and what people think of your body and how you're presenting yourself what your personality is like you're completely self-surveilling at such a young age when boys are still being allowed to you know like ride their skateboards and go out and play with their friends and just have a goofy fun time and not to say that teenage boys don't go through shit because they totally do and that's its own separate conversation but just the way that gender is socialized in such a binary way that favors the innocence and silliness and youthfulness of men while forcing girls to grow up at such a young age and be patient with the boys because they don't mature as fast as you do. And it's like, we shouldn't be maturing as fast as we are. The reason we are is because of the way that this society is structured in a way that constitutes the idea of girl and of woman as a thing of objectification. We don't get to be kids for very long. There is a very small space for girls to actually experience girlhood before they're taught that they're now a young woman. The socialization of gender is so binary. It leaves so little wiggle room, at least when I was growing up. There was no wiggle room for anything outside of this binary. And so I think it's also really interesting to talk about gender queerness in this conversation of how we understand girlhood and boyhood and how that differentiates so much based on what you were conditioned to believe about your gender and also that so many queer kids also experience this needing to grow up so fast because you're exposed to so much hatred around your identity and around what it means to not be the cookie cutter version of who you're quote-unquote supposed to be and also that education around queerness within the scope of childhood and youth is like non-existent. I don't know about now, like there are probably parts of society that are maybe teaching youth about queerness and about sexuality at a younger age, but I think that it's a really common experience for queer kids. Learning about their sexuality wasn't with consideration for their youth and for their childhood and their innocence, and I think the realization of your sexuality especially at such a young age like I was so young when I knew that I was queer and just like didn't have the language to put to it combined with the social messaging that you're given that it's perverted or it's not okay or it's dirty or keep that to yourself means that queer kids aren't given access to education about their identity and their experience of attraction or desire in the same way that young like cis hetero boys and girls are taught about marriage and about 
practicing safe sex and even though you know the, the sexual education system is not good like overall i'm not saying that heterosexual kids are getting groundbreaking amazing super informative sex ed but just that they're given somewhat of a script to follow in terms of exploring their sexuality and while that script is limited it's still a script and it's still something to follow and it's still something that you can you know speak to your parents about or find in school textbooks being given access to information about a core part of who you are as a person is super formative to how people create an identity for themselves and how they develop self-esteem, any kind of sense of self-confidence and self-assuredness in a world that completely undervalues and dismisses and erases the realities of queer kids. I think that that's a really important part to speak to, especially in the context of girl theory and that it's a very, you know, it's inherently binary in its name. It's talking about girls and girlhood and girliness. Um, And so I feel like it leaves some like awkward space for genderqueer people and non-binary people who maybe were socialized as girls or socialized as boys and have somewhat of a connection to this idea of femininity, but it looks very different from the experiences of cis women. And I think even in this same thought, the language that we use around girl and woman is really interesting in this context because woman is much more serious than girl. Like, we say girl and you think, you know, innocent, silly, not to be taken seriously, but you say woman and it feels political, it feels serious, it feels grown up, it feels like motherhood, it feels like responsibility. And so our attraction to the word girl and that language around girlhood, I think is really interesting in our search for that playfulness or that naivete or that innocence that maybe we didn't have access to when we actually were a girl. I think that a girl, like having girl dinners and being just a girl and being in your girl era is still very much a performance of femininity, but it's one that leans into these juvenile notions of what being a girl is. And in a way, is a rejection, I think, of these patriarchal ideas of womanhood and what a woman is supposed to be. We could read Girl Dinner as a performance of femininity that rejects this idea that women need to have, you know, the perfect, healthy, balanced meal. And instead, you know, you slap some like cheese and crackers and salami or whatever on a plate and that's your dinner. So it's like this expression of the grotesque and the uncomfortable parts of being a woman or being a girl because you're not performing femininity perfectly. You're not, you know, having a salad for dinner. You're not sitting down at the table. You're like this crusty little gremlin crawling back to her bed with her plate of olives and cheese and watching a show that you've seen 10 times. I had someone sent me this TikTok of a woman talking about girl dinner is the beginning of the end of patriarchy. (laughs) Um, The woman in the video, her name is Liz Plank, and she's basically talking about 
kind of what I was just saying around the the lines of girl dinner as undesirable and unattractive and super like unruly she calls it unruly and disorganized um I think in this video and how that is a rejection of you know patriarchal femininity and how we're taught to perform this femininity even when we're we're eating and how we're always supposed to be under this process of self-surveillance and you know I've talked about the panopticon before we could totally go down that whole rabbit hole but there's already I think a couple episodes on it so I'll leave it there but she says this really interesting thing that when women share publicly what they're supposed to be ashamed of privately it renders the patriarchy powerless because it's robbing it of its tool of feminine shame around how we perform our femininity when it's not perfect and ideal. So I thought that video was really interesting, but it also made me think about how this performance of femininity, while it could be read as a rejection of patriarchy, I also think that it's kind of feeding into certain narratives at the same time. And a few of you sent in interesting comments on this. A couple of people said that it really feels like it's just reproducing gender stereotypes and is like quite infantilizing. A few people said that they really appreciate the like playfulness of women posting these videos in like an ironic way that's just like silly and unserious. But that it can also border into territory of like putting other women down or making women look like really dumb and helpless. A lot of people said that they find it annoying but can't really pinpoint why they find it annoying, which I think is funny. And then there was also like almost an equal amount of people that said like, love it, a trend only for women, makes me feel less alone. I love it, it's great. Um, but yeah, there was an interesting mix of responses that I got um, from people about like how they felt about girl theory and girl discourse. Um, one thing that like I think most people agreed on, well, I don't know, maybe not most people, but there were a lot of people that sent in that like the idea of like girl math is really irritating and that it's relatable sometimes, but... Um, this one person said that so much of it is presented like women are so ditzy. Um, and this person said specifically, like, I find math and finances still so male dominated. So I'm especially salty about this one, which I agree with. I think that girl math is like, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that like it started out as like a, like an irony thing and like a joke and um, like, oh, haha, like girl math you know, like I find $5 in my wallet and that means that whatever I buy with it is free because it's cash, that kind of thing, like where it's kind of funny because, you know, maybe we can relate to that at, at, like to some extent, but the idea that it's girl math is obviously super gendered and I don't think that that's always funny. I don't know. I like, I have a hard time with things that are inherently gendered because it feels like it's just reproducing stereotypes and not necessarily reclaiming them in a way that feels good and that feels empowering. And I think that that's why this like girl theory discourse, whatever, is so interesting because there are some people that are like, yeah, like it's reclamation. Like we're saying fuck the patriarchy and we're just going to like perform femininity in like silly ways and use these stereotypes that are projected onto us and make a funny archetype meme caricature out of it. And then other people are like, no, hang on guys. Like we're just reproducing scripts and 
it is maybe harmful. So I think there's room, there's lots of like in-betweenness between these two opposing sides. I still think that like there is a weird normalization of self-neglect in girl dinner, especially Um, Somebody else mentioned that like the link did an article about girl dinner as disordered eating, which I have seen a lot of people like, you know, like in the comment sections of girl dinner videos talking about how it normalizes disordered eating. I think that this is really connected to the trends that we cycle through in relationship to body type and what's considered desirable and what's seen as like cool like in the 90s and early 2000s hyper thinness was like the pinnacle of beauty and then in like the 2010s we saw you know like the rise of the bbl and having like the hourglass figure as the ideal body type um and now with like the trend cycle and where we're at right now it seems like we're headed back towards 90s early 2000s body expectations um and that also relates to like what celebrities are doing with their bodies what surgeries they're getting this is a whole conversation that deserves its own episode but I don't know if I have it in me to like go there because it just is like so fucked up um and I don't know that I have the energy for it but I do want to like relate it to this trend specifically because I think that the ways that we perform femininity are directly related to what messages we're receiving about what is desirable and what is undesirable. And I think that in some sense, this girl dinner theory thing that's going on has a correlation with the end of the BBL era and leaning into that like 90s model thinness archetype. This is a point that Gabby also references in her post on girl theory that the girl meme archetype is in relationship with this like post BBL post body positivity era and that adolescent thinness is the opposite of this and so that's what we're seeking out or that's what identity we're leaning into that's what it is and so I thought that was interesting because I do think that there is a total relationship between the ways we see gender performed and what is considered trendy or desirable at this particular moment in time femininity looks totally different throughout history based on what is considered beautiful or attractive or sexy or hot And that is completely wrapped up in standards of beauty related to body and to race and to disability. And the politics of desirability are not escapable through meme culture. They are reproduced within meme culture. And I think they are totally reproduced in girl theory. And so I think that that makes it complicated and that makes it more than a black or white answer about whether girl dinner is a rejection of patriarchy or if it's leaning into harmful representations of femininity and eating. I think it's a super layered issue that I don't have a clear stance on. I can appreciate the intention and like the silliness and irony of it, but I also like I don't feel empowered by girl discourse. I feel personally I feel infantilized and like not really taken super seriously to an extent and I relate to aspects of it like girl dinner like a few memes I was like oh that's funny like 
that's relatable. But the more I see of it and the more I see of the like, I'm just a girl or I'm in my teenage girl era from like these like young adult women or like even like like late 20s women expressing this desire to be a teenage girl. It mostly just like makes me feel strange because I understand why we're yearning for that innocence and we're yearning for that um, sense of not needing to have responsibility or be an adult. But I think that it's just ultimately an expression of a need for community care like I was talking about before and that feeling lost as an adult and denying your own agency and capacity to be an adult and to take care of yourself and take ownership of your responsibilities and your autonomy and your agency as an adult. That sort of foregoing of responsibility and um, saying like, oh, I'm just a girl, like <laughs> I I don't know what I'm doing or I don't know how to take care of myself. Like there is a part of it that I totally like identify with and can empathize with and relate to because we're all just adults that have no fucking clue what's going on. But I don't find it desirable for myself personally to lean into that archetype of like having girl dinners and um, doing girl math and being in my girl era because part of being a human is like not always, you know, having your shit together and having chaotic dinners or not being good with finances or whatever. And I think that gendering it is just like another way for people to find community and find connection to people that they have shared experience with and so I think in that sense it's great for you know like relating to people and to finding community through humor and through this like weird meme culture that is reality now like we're all just really trying to access our essence of who we are and express that in a way that feels liberated and if we can do that through this like weird meme relationship that we have to one another then like cool but I also think that it is limited like anything that we see on social media I think that it's limited in its capacity to make us feel empowered and to make us feel truly in tune with what we crave, which I think, once again, is community care and that feeling of meaning in our identities and the permission to be chaotic and to be imperfect and to perform femininity in ways that don't adhere to patriarchy and these expectations that we have for ourselves and for other people under this gender binary complex, weird set of social rules. This desire for permission, like external permission and validation to be weird and um, asserting yourself as strange and unique and alternative, which are all things that Sai Swoon um, Gabby references in this post, is just part of the experience of being human and trying to find meaning and identity and attaching that to this weird process of meme making and meaning making through this meme making. <laughs> Okay, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I think I went on a lot of tangents and I think I touched on most things that I wanted to. Um, I really appreciated all of your insights for anyone that sent a little snippet in of their their hot takes or their lukewarm takes on girl dinner and girl math. Um, I just like love hearing what you have to say 
and I really appreciate it when when you send stuff in because I love reading what you have to think so thank you um and I would love to continue this conversation if like I said something and you're like no that's wrong or hell yeah like let's talk more about it wherever you land on the spectrum I would love to continue this conversation if you feel up to it um I think that the biggest takeaway maybe like a little something that we can that we can like act on this week or reflect on this week in relation to girlhood and gender performance and girl theory and all of this complicated nuanced messiness that is the current reality i think that we should all partake in an activity or an expression of ourselves that leans into the goodness and the like feeling empoweredness of being a silly little human in this silly little world doing something that makes you feel connected to your essence beyond girlhood beyond boyhood and just partaking in something that makes you feel completely full from head to toe maybe go out dancing or dance in your living room or singing a song that makes you feel really powerful or going for a walk in the forest and just fucking touching the trees and touching the leaves or holding hands with your best friend and like really feeling what their hand feels like in your hand and trying to tune into that feeling of the essence of your humanity in a way that transcends this binary conversation of girls and boys and nothing in between and nothing beyond just granting yourself permission to be exactly where you are exactly how you are in whatever form that takes that just brings you into this moment of feeling present and not feeling any type of performance or self-surveillance i would love to hear what you get up to or choose to do in this moment of hopefully just total embodiment until we chat next take care of yourself and i'm wishing you the gentlest sweetest most restful week and hope that you do get that moment of deliciousness in just being. Feel free to reach out if you want to chat at the lily.pod on Instagram, and I will speak to you so soon. Bye!